Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. Acts chapter number 27. We brought some of this out last week. Paul is being transported on an enemy ship with over 230, 240, 250 prisoners on board. Uh, They are in a storm that is taking them out. It's taking the ship out. The ship is going to sink. Uh, But in the middle of the night, Paul had a visit from an angel. 27-22. Acts 27-22. Now Paul stood and said, and now, I, and now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but the ship. But the ship. In other words, you're going to go through some stuff, and we're about to lose some stuff. Can I just be real? You're not going to get out of this without losing some stuff. And there stood by me this night, verse 23, and there stood by me this night the angel of God whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, you must make it to Rome. You must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God has given you all them that sail with you. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Amen. Somebody repeat after me. You're going to lose some stuff. But be of good cheer. Now, y'all got to pray for me because I never preach on this level. I'm not a negative man. I'm not a ne- it's hard for me to preach this side of this, but it's my assignment for today, okay? And we're about to get real. Be of good cheer, for I believe that it's going to be as God said. 26. How, how be it? However, we must be cast upon a certain island. That word cast means stranded. He said, we're about to get stranded, Joe. My God, this is so good. Won't y'all just sit down so I can just... However, be of good cheer... Because everything's going to be all right. However, we're about to be stranded. That word cast means driven out of one's course. It means to lose, to become inefficient. Everything's going to be all right. However, we're finna get knocked off course. Anybody ever been knocked off course? Amen. Knocked off course. Feel like you're totally lost. Outside the will of God. Paul said, you're going to be all right. But you're going to be knocked off course for a while. Amen. We must be cast upon a certain island. Amen. Paul said, I don't know where we're about to end up, but I do know we're going to end up on a, not just any island, a certain line, a predetermined island. Paul said, I know we get knocked off course, but we're going to end up right in the center of God's will. I don't understand it. I don't know how, how I'm going to, we're going to get there. All I know, we're going to lose the ship. Amen. But we're going to end up stranded, but be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. We're going to end up with loss. We're going to end up with some inefficiency in our life, but be of good cheer. 
He sounds just like a preacher, don't he? Be a good cheer. Everything's going to be all right because there's a certain place this storm is going to get us into. My God, help me. Let's, for the sake of time, drop down to 41, 2741. And falling into a certain place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground. And the forepart stuck fast and remained unmovable. But the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. And the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners lest any of them should swim out, excuse me, and escape. But the centurion, wanting to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to the land. And the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. Somebody say, I'm coming in. I'm coming in on broken pieces. But I'm... Are y'all, going, are y'all with me this morning? Amen. I'm not coming in like I thought I was coming in, but I'm coming in. I'm not getting there like I thought I was going to get there. Oh, my, my. But I'm going to get there. Amen. For you that can swim, get after it. If you can't, just get something. Just, God. Man, I'm supposed to read my scriptures first. Uh, now turn with me to the book of Daniel, chapter number three. Daniel, chapter number three, verse number 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have refused to bow. They were prisoners. They were held captive. They were out of their whole neighborhood. They were living in captivity. Three young men. Uh, and the, the, they was in a camp of idol worshipers, and the king wanted them to worship him and his gods. He built a great big image, set it out there. Everybody bowed but these three boys. They made the statement. Daniel 3.16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said unto the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. He's wanting them to bow. You know what they said? We ain't got to pray about it. We ain't got to think about it. I don't have to Facebook somebody. I don't need to text a pastor. Is anybody in this building? I ain't got to call a friend and ask him, do you think I should? King, we'll just tell you right now. <laughs> 17. This is what's good. If it be so, in other words, if this is God's perfect will, he is able to deliver us from this fiery furnace. If that's what God wants, King, let it be known he is able. He is fully able. Hey, Brandy. Hey, I love you. (laughs) Just locked eyes with you. He is able. If, 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 if it be so. I don't like that word. I've never, never liked if it's God's will. But he's showing me a different level of faith of if it be so, we're not freaking out. We're not worried. 
If that's what God wants to do, my God is fully able to, del to deliver us from the fiery furnace. But I like the next part. And he will deliver us out of your hand. I don't know if I'm going to get taken out of the fire, but I do know I'm going to be taken out of your hand. I double sigh. I don't know for sure if my finances are finna turn, but I know I'm finna be taken out of your hand of oppression and depression. Oh, my God. I don't know. I'm not sure about that part. All I am absolutely sure about is I'm about to come out of your hand. If God chooses me to die, I'm coming out of your hand. Woo, God Almighty. Are y'all with me? I'm going to preach hope on a level I ain't never had in my life. If it be so, our God's able, but he's the all wise. If he sees fit for me to just have to go through it, that's fine. I really can't tell you exactly how that part's going to turn out, but King, I can tell you this part. Amen. I'm going to be shaken out of your hand. There's too much in this one. Are y'all ready? It's going to tell your neighbor, it's going to tear your belly up. Tell them, take small bites because it's going to tear your belly up. Boy, that's as call well as it gets. <laughs> he didn't stop there. Look at 18. But if it not, if not, if it's not his will to take me out of the fire, let it be known, O king, we will not serve your gods. We will not worship the golden image. Whether he decides to heal me or not, I will not bow down to oppression, depression, or the basata Whether he decides to give me the money or not, I will not surrender to oppression in my life. I walk through the fire, praise, and ain't no God like my God. Is anybody in this place? I'm talking about a hope that'll carry you. Ship makes it fine. If not, I'm going to grab a board. Am I going to have to lay down again like I did last week? I'm going to grab the one scripture I can remember and start quoting. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff. They comfort. I got one for you. Let me preach Kobe's message. Amen. Father, you might, you might be, you might move the enemy away from me, but if you don't, you'll prepare a table in the presence of my enemy, and I'll sit and I'll sit down right in the middle of opposition and say, hey, pass me the ketchup. Hey, pass me the oh, is anybody in this place? Amen. I will not bow and surrender my emotions to my circumstances. Who is in this place this morning? I'm talking about hope. Somebody shout it with me. Pass the ketchup. My God, we always, all we know is one kind of hope and it's all founded on us getting our will. But there is a hope when it's contrary to my will, I still know it's God's will. And if it's God's will, I'm gonna sit down. My, my, my. My God, I got to get through my text. Whew. One more place, Romans 4. 
17 through 21. Now, these scriptures are not just fillers. You hear me? These scriptures are important. I need you to get them. 417. God's promise to Abraham to be the father of a multitude. He's now 100 years old. Sarah is now between 90 and 91 years old. And that matters when you're that old. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It matters if you're 90 or 91 when you're that old. When you're a teenager and you're 16 and a half, you want to be 17. But when you're 90, between 90 and 91, you want to be 90. Can I get a witness from the old folks? It matters. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickens the dead and calls those things that are not as though they already were. Who against hope believed in hope. Who against hope believed in hope. Who against hope believed in hope. And as a result, he become the father of a multitude, many nations, according to that which was spoken. Abraham, so shall your seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not. He considered not. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old. Neither did he consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, belief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what God promised, he was able also to perform. Last week we dealt with hope. Hope, I gave you the definition of last week, was the confident expectation. Hope is contrary to the wishful thinking of the American mindset. Amen, that I hope this happens, or, or I wish. Mostly, most of the time, wishes lead to total disappointment and discouragement. Amen. In opposition to that, 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 that skewed definition of hope, I want to give you a biblical definition of hope, which is confident expectation. Biblical hope is anticipation of something you know is going to happen. Did you catch that? O king, if God wants to, he's able to deliver us out of this fiery furnace, but mark it down. I know he's going to deliver me out of your hand. Amen. I may not know the vehicle he's going to use. I may not know the method he's going to use. Amen. All I do know is he's going to bring me out. And more than likely, while I'm in this storm, he's going to steer my ship to a certain island who needs to see how big God is. It... Did y'all catch that on this side? Amen. So I'm not looking to go under. I'm looking for this storm to bring glory to my God. Amen. One scripture I forgot to read to you over there in, in the book of Acts. The, the, the thing had wrecked. They had swam to shore. They had made their way to the bank. Paul started building up the fire. Amen. A serpent came out of the fire and latched on his hand. Amen. And the Bible says he shook it off. I just love that scripture. He shook it off in the fire and all the natives were standing around and the Bible says when he should have swollen or dropped down dead, they waited for a long time, but he lived. So they changed their mind and said, he must be God. Amen. So your storm 
Your situation will probably, you may not know how God's going to bring you out of it. And if you get a preconceived idea of what you think it's going to be like, you may miss that God's trying to get you in a place that he can use your situation to bring glory to God. Amen. If you're not careful, amen. So hope is confident expectation. It's anticipating something you know is going to happen. And our Bible says this kind of hope never disappoints. It never deludes or shames us. That's the word. I want to quote that again. It's, it's Romans 5 and I don't know, Nisha, if you want to put it up there, that's the uh, uh, Amplified. Romans 5, 5 says, such hope never disappoints. It never deludes. It never shames us for God has poured his his love out upon us. Now, all of us has had or, catch this statement, or even is in a situation right now that we have believed or are believing for that has or is right now causing some disappointment. Thank you. One, yes. All of us has had or is in something right now that you have prayed about and you have believed for and it produced nothing but disappointment in your life. I know you can't say nothing right now because you wouldn't be spiritual. You can't say nothing right now because you don't want somebody else to know I'm a little discouraged. Huh? Amen. That's okay. You just sat down because I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you this morning. Amen. Uh, amen. If, if, if you, if you, I ain't going there. Well, if the Bible says, Russ, if the Bible says that hope never disappoints, it never deludes, it never shames us, we need to know the disconnect between what the scripture calls hope and what I thought I had as hope. Somebody say, please teach me. Tell us, Pastor. This stuff will liberate us. Amen. But nobody wants to talk about it because we want to walk around like nothing's wrong. Amen. And I got Kool-Aid running out of my faucet and honey's running out of the cabinets. Amen. All my kids are sane. Boy, that's a big one. About half of y'all's kids are crazy. They're just flat crazy. Amen. Oh, my husband, he's just, he's just, he's just so perfect. That amen come from a man. <laughs> my wife, oh, my, my wife, when I get home from work, she's there to take my work boots off. She's got my slippers. Somebody laughed out loud. <laughs> amen, he listened to me. And, and we just sit at the table, uh, amen, and we just converse over our meal. And she's the perfect cook. And the children are sitting at the table with their hands crossed. Hallowed Father. Oh, I am just describing all y'all's life this morning. Amen. Are you listening to me? When in reality, he's an idiot. They gone crazy. She can't cook. It burnt. You know, Bosha. Is anybody listening to me? Amen. My God, he took him stinking shoes off. His feet smells like a stump full of 
of black mouth water moxkins. Amen. I don't can't, whatever them things are. Amen. Are you listening to me? And I was praying for this to come out, and it just didn't come out like I thought it was. I'm just gonna be real whether y'all help me or not. Amen. I had a preconception of marriage. Stay with me, Scott. Preconception of marriage. Amen. That it was gonna be like this, only to find out that ship went down the week after we got married. It doesn't and I'm on the broken pieces of a relationship, but I'm telling you, I'm still a kicker. Hey, it ain't what I thought it was going to be, but there is a destiny. I'm going to Rome. I said, I'm going to Rome. My God. So my assignment for the last week and this week, matter of fact, we had a scripture last week. Amen. One of the most confusing, depressing scriptures in the Bible. It's in Isaiah 28 or 26 or something. 26, 18. It says, we have been with child and we have been in pain. We were with child. We were pregnant. We were, we, we were, I was feeling the labor pain. And when it come time to give birth to my expectation, it was wind. <laughs> Okay, go ahead. Everybody laugh. <laughs> I was going to try to keep it straight, but y'all laughed. <laughs> it was weird. It was weird. It's so hard not to say what I'm thinking, but I'm thinking the same thing you're thinking. Amen. <laughs> he said we were in labor. We thought it was a child, but I brought forth wind. We Look, look, look. We brought forth wind, and we have not wrought any deliverance in the earth. I was expecting victory and didn't get it. I was expecting uh, 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 neither have the inhabitants of this world fallen. There were some things I, th I thought I would take out. My God. But I didn't. I didn't. It's a picture of who someone who was standing in confident expectation of one thing uh, only to receive just the opposite. It's a person who was standing in expectation. I'm about to give birth. I'm about to increase. I'm about to expand. I, I'm about to go to the next level. I'm about to exercise dominion over a certain area. Amen. I'm about to walk in victory. I'm about to see my miracle. Amen. But instead, it all came to nothing. I got somebody said, where are you going with all this? Right now, I'm just being real. Are y'all with me? Came to nothing. Nothing happened. Nothing changed. I was expecting this to change my life. And not only, amen, is it, is it, is it disappointing, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing when you speak in this thing. Oh, my God. I said it gets embarrassing when you're speaking one thing and something else happens. Amen. It would, have been, it would have been embarrassing for Whitney. We were all piled up in that labor room with her. Amen. We all piled up in there and she's got a big old belly. Amen. And all the trouble she went through. Oh my God. We all standing around there expecting. It would have been disappointing and embarrassing if she brought forth nothing but. Oh my God. You mean I went through all that? Mm. Y'all just stay with me. I got to work this thing. You mean I give up that relationship? I give up that job? I give up friends for this? This is discouraging. 
This is not only disappointing, this is embarrassing. And I walked around in, in faith, and I testified. I testified how big God is. I testified how good God is, only to find myself defeated by the thing I testified about. Thank you. Thank you. This is our word today. So my question to you is, have you ever been believing for one thing only to get another thing <laughs> that did not look like? Matter of fact, it was totally opposite of what you were believing for. God's got a word for you. Rest of you just hang on for the ride. So I don't know about you, but I just get real when I read the word. So all this scripture did for me is started generating questions. Questions. We pride ourselves on having all the answers. Amen. But sometimes God has to put us in predicaments to where we quit being so spiritual and start asking the hard questions so our God can answer those questions. So my question is, what do you do when what you're believing for does not come to pass? What? Do you do when the job you was believing for and expected falls through? What do you do when, when, when you was praying and speaking life and they die anyway? What do you do when the baby you was believing for don't make it? What do you do? What do you do? What do you do when the fever don't break? Any moms in the house that's held the child with a fevered brow in the wee hours of the morning praying, my God, have mercy. What do you do? What do you do? And this is my greatest. This, this kills. I can't stand that kind of stuff. Are you following me? What do you do when you're praying and they're still throwing up? What do you do when you're praying and the fever's just getting higher? What do you do when they become delusional? Amen. Uh, and start seeing things because their fever is so high. What do you do when anything and everything that could produce any sliver of hope is gone? Well, my text says that Abraham, who against hope, believed in hope. That he might become the father of a multi multitude. I love the Passion Translation. It says, Abraham, against all odds, when it seemed hopeless, he believed the promise and expected God to fulfill it. There was nothing in the natural that could produce any sliver of hope whatsoever. As a matter of fact, anything that could have produced hope in Abraham's life was now preaching a negative message of hopelessness. I mean, even though Sarah had never had a child in all of her life, if at least she was still having her monthly cycles, that within itself would produce a measure of hope to try one more time. Let's try one more time. There's a little bit of hope. Amen. She's still having cycles, so there's a little bit of hope. It's not past her time. Amen. Let's try one more time. Let's try one more time. But your Bible says Sarah's womb was dead. So what used to be an element of hope was now screaming, there ain't no way. What used to produce some hope was now saying it is totally biologically impossible. 
Even Abraham, who had proven himself to be capable of, of, of producing children with the birth of Ishmael, had now passed the years of producing children. And the Bible says that uh, uh, his own body was dead. So what would have produced hope in a different season in his life is now telling him it's too late. It's too late. You're too old. It can't happen. It's impossible. Abraham, it's impossible. So what would have produced hope in that season is now the very sermon that's being preached against him. You can't happen. Oh, God. help me, Holy Ghost. It can't happen. It's too late. It's over. It's impossible. You might as well accept it for what it is. The doctor said. The test confirmed. It's negative. Amen. The, the rebellious child is getting worse. The pain is getting worse. Anything and everything that would produce any hope is now against you. What do you do? What do you do? The Bible says Abraham, against hope, believed in hope. The word against there, it kind of surprised me. The word against there, you ought to write this down. Amen, because you're not going to get this in just a, a general Bible reading. The word against in that scripture is para. Para. And para means from beside. Para means right beside me. Para means in the vicinity of, in proximity to, opposition and contrary circumstances. It's actually the root word of the word neighbor. So in other words, Abraham lived in the neighborhood of contrary situations. Abraham had contrary situations all around him. He was living in the vicinity of the impossible. It wasn't something that was a far off. He was living there. Come on, I need somebody to help me. You see a lot of people go through some things and come out the other side. But the Holy Spirit told me, I'm going to be preaching to some people this morning that you live there. You live in a bad relationship. You live. Oh my God, help me, Holy Spirit. It ain't just something that's coming and going. You've been living there for a long time. You're in a neighborhood that the neighborhood itself produces dis discouragement. It's, it's against me. It's standing against me. And it don't matter what the preacher preached or how much I pray. When I look out the window, I'm still in the same neighborhood. I still got the same neighbors. I still got the same problems around me. Amen. Uh, uh, what do you do when everything around you is screaming, it's going under? What do you do when everything is screaming, he ain't never going to change? She ain't never going to change? What do you do when you're living in an arena to where your child's been addicted for 10 years, 12 years, 14 years? My God, help me. Just sit there. Just sit there. God's going to help you. Amen. 
What do you do? What do you do? I would understand if I was like some of these other testimonies. They went through a storm and everybody prayed and boom, they came out of the storm. But pastor, you don't understand. I live here. This is my dwelling place. This is where I abide. Amen. It's there. It's in my mind. It's in my heart. It's in my spirit. Everything is just right up against me. Uh, It's not something way far off that somebody else is going through. It's right where I live. Right where I live. Amen. I've seen some people pray over their addictions and get hands laid on them, and they walk out of the building and stand and give a testimony where I ain't never wanted another co- d- uh, drink. I ain't never wanted another joint. I ain't never wanted another there. But what about us who's still living in this place and them addictions is my next door neighbor? And I know I ought to be better right now, and I ought not be having no trouble because they ain't having no trouble. But I'm telling you, I'm not living on the same side of the tracks they're living on. Hope is against me. Anything in the natural that can produce hope is against me. And I'm trying to stay positive and I'm trying to speak I'm delivered, I'm healed, I'm set free and and I'm speaking I'm healed but I still feel the pain. I'm speaking I'm healed but I still, I what do you do if there is a hope that'll pull me out of it, I gotta have it. If there is some instruction you can give me, I gotta have it. Bible says Abraham was living in this neighborhood. That if he was praying for a baby and rolled over and looked at his wife, everything he saw would say, nope. Wow, that was good. I don't know where your mind is going. I'm just telling you, that was good. Too old. And not only do I want to produce a child, but I ain't even got a desire anymore. My body's dead too. Abraham said, that's where I lived. That's where I live. I don't know where you living, but this is where I live. Huh? I need y'all to shake your neighbor and tell them this is where I live. It's where I live. It may be worse for some than others, but this is where I live. So you can't live where you live and judge me because of where I live. Be careful. Be careful that you don't live in that ritzy neighborhood and judge me for where I live because I don't want to live here. I don't want to live in this place. I don't want to be like this. I don't want these kind of neighbors. I don't want to be pinned up. With what's got me pinned up. Is anybody in this place this morning? Amen. So I just need you to tell me what I need to do. What can I do? Well, the Bible says Abraham against hope, he believed in hope. And the next scripture says he considered not the deadness of Sarah's womb. In, in other words, even though it was so close to him, he refused to focus on it. To consider means perception. It means to ponder. Amen. Are you following me? Amen. To, to consider means to focus your attention and your thoughts on. Abraham said, I may live in the neighborhood of hopelessness, but I have learned to use my hope as an anchor that goes outside my neighborhood. And it hooks to a hope in my trust in God. So while I'm living in a dead place, I am anchored to a living place. Hey, ask your neighbor what you're looking at. What you're looking at. Abraham said, I ain't looking at it. I ain't considering it. I ain't counting my money. I ain't acknowledging my pain. 
My God, he considered not. He could are you with me, Mom? He he could have said it can't happen. Sarah ain't had a cycle in 40 years. He could have said my body's dead. But the Bible says instead of considering that, he considered God. Somebody shout with me. Hope never looks around. Hope always looks up. You may not be able to move out of that neighborhood, but change your perception. Oh, you better get this. You, you, Brenda, you may have to fight some things I don't have to fight. You may have to deal with some things I don't have to deal with. But the good news is, I may have to live in this neighborhood, but I don't have to be affected by this neighborhood. Oh, somebody ought to help me right there. Amen. Because if I'm just looking at everything around me, my emotions are going to follow. So he said he considered it not. He refused, amen, to, to, to focus his attention on his dilemma. He looked a little bit higher. God, you are able. And God, if you want me to leave it, live in this neighborhood so that I can bring glory to your name, so be it. Oh my God, somebody help me. In other words, some of you are in some bad relationships, maybe in your own marriage. Some of you are dealing with some things in your body, amen, that you won't even talk about because it's embarrassing to you, amen, because you want everybody to think that we're just healed and everything's fine and everything's okay, amen. And we're always standing in these situations looking for a way out. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood in the fire looking for God to come in. Oh my God, did y'all catch that? Amen. So maybe you need to quit trying to get out of that relationship and start expecting God to come into the relationship. Oh God, there's somebody's word right there. Amen. Are you listening to me? Because when he does, the fire can't burn you. The fire can't destroy you. Oh God, get me out. Get me out. Get me out. Your Bible says that the king had to walk up to the fire and call them out. They said, we kind of like it in here. And as a result, because of what, what they walked through, the king said, there is no God that can deliver like your God. Maybe your situation is going to be used, amen, to bring so much glory and honor to God so that the next time you see somebody going through the fiery furnace of a bad relationship... Let me tell you about a hope that I got. The same God that delivered me is the God who can deliver you. Lift up your eyes to the hills from which cometh your help. He considered not. He considered not. He refused to ponder on it. Amen. When he was living right beside. Yea, though I walked through the valley. Of the shadow. You got to be close to something to be in the shadow of it. Say, I'm in the valley of the shadow of death. It's so looming over me that it's threatening my life at any minute. Even though I'm here. <laughs> Amen. Somebody high five your neighbor and tell them while I'm here. Come on, help me out. While I'm here, while I'm in this valley, while I'm living in this neighborhood, I will not fear because he is with me. His rod and staff in cut. Somebody shout hope. My God, if we let all these things pull us down, that's not hope. The hope I'm preaching will never disappoint you. While I'm here, I will fear no evil. 
He's preparing a table in the presence of my enemy. They standing all around. Amen. My God, you talking about kick the devil in the teeth. Y'all don't know it, but this praise team kicked the devil in the teeth this morning. Because last week we had two sick members that couldn't come and they had to use the guitar and that funny box. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Or they come up with this stuff. Anyway. And our team was in a frenzy. Uh, did anybody notice last week? Our team was just, oh my God, we've lost our piano player. We don't have our, our drummer. Amen. We didn't even have that box last week, did we? We had old Shay. Thank God for Shay. Strumming on a guitar. And they got through a worship service. Well, I think they kicked the devil in the teeth this morning. They said, you know what? You ain't got to move us out of this neighborhood. You ain't got to make everything okay. Is anybody listening to me? We'll sit right back in the midst of it and we'll bring the glory of God in this how can I tell you you ain't got to move out of your neighborhood My. can we go a little further he said he considered not his neighbors he considered not all this stuff was right up beside him right close to him in fact and as a result he staggered not at the promises of God. That word stagger means to waver. It means to separate or withdraw from. So these circumstances are designed to withdraw you from your hope. They're designed to separate you from what you were believing. There's no greater separator than longevity. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's easy to believe for a day. It's easy to believe for a week. It's easy to believe for a couple weeks. But when it turns into years, when you're believing for a good report, only get another report that didn't sound like what you want it to sound like. It's starting to try to get you to waver. It's trying to get you to move away from your hope. Amen. You'll know when you've lost focus when it starts moving you away from hope. It's easy to speak. God's going to make a way when there ain't no way that needs to be made. Boy, I said something right there. It's easy to say, I believe. When you got a job and he did what you asked him to do. But it's a whole different story. You'll find out if you really have hope or not. When you let circumstances plunge you into depression you, you, this is going to be a wake-up call to you that I don't have that kind of hope. I don't have biblical hope. He said, this hope will, will, will hold you steady so that you don't stagger at the promises of God. And you'll start saying, even though, even though I live in the uncertain neighborhood of death and loss and sickness or whatever the case may be, my hope is anchored to my trust. Man, Josh quoted it this morning. Give me Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8 in any translation. It's good. He quoted all my scriptures this morning. Look at this. Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. He shall be like a tree planted by the waters that spreads her roots by the river and shall not see when the heat cometh. It didn't say that heat wasn't coming. It just said this man who's trusting the Lord, it will be as if he don't even see it. He's not focusing on it. 
Are you following me? He's not even focusing on it. But her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither cease to yield in fruit. When you start walking in this hope, you'll live in a dry place, but you never lose life. You'll live in a dry place, but your leaves are going to remain green. You'll live in, is anybody, somebody shout, that's my neighborhood. Amen. I'm trying to change your perspective of always getting me out and say, I'm going to be the only green tree in this situation. I'm going to teach your stuff. Amen. I'm going to be producing fruit when everything around me is inconducive. Why? Because I am tapped into something that can't be seen. God, are y'all getting this stuff? Said, I'm not being governed, and this is what you're not going to miss it. Josh is going to preach about being governed by seasons. I'm not governed by seasons when I live in this kind of hope. Why? Because my hope is not determined by circumstances. My hope, my faith, my confidence is determined by God. And God is so much wiser than me. I may not understand the ship he's put me on. I may not understand. I'm out here floating around. And some of them was worse than others. He said, you that can swim, swim. There were some who couldn't swim. Huh? Hey, some who couldn't swim. Man, I got to have something. I got to have something. Let me tell you what. There's always something. You may think you have nothing, but there's always something. Oh, my God. Somebody help me right now. Huh? He never... Just feel like that's somebody's word. That he never leaves you without nothing. So quit saying, I don't have nothing. Amen. I ain't got nothing to place my hope on in this relationship. Well, the problem is you're looking at the wrong sort. Look around. There's a board floating around you. Hey, there's a scripture that you can put under your arms and just go to paddling. Are y'all okay? Are y'all getting this? This is hope. This is hope that makes a Christian a Christian. This is a hope that makes us stand. This is a hope that God said, says, Father, you can trust me enough that if you need to wreck my ship to change my course, if you need to send a contrary wind because I really like it when the wind's to my back, amen, and it's got me going in the air, but if you need to send a contrary wind and send me into some God-forsaken island, I'm going to get off and build up the fire. I said, I'm going to get off and build up the fire. Can I tell you something? You will never go through a storm that does not wreck your world that immediately following and in that storm you get snake bit. Never fails. Satan is an opportunist. He's an opportunist. See, he don't have no power, but he's an opportunist. So if he can catch you wavering, he'll bite you. See, I told you. Told you. Told you the house wasn't going to sail. Told you. Where's your God now? Y'all can't even nod at me. I'm just being so real. He's, he's talking about my God. Now, right in the middle of all this, I paid my tithes and I got snake bit. Hmm? Jokers over there don't even pay tithes. That's the same as Sonic every day. Me, I can't go to Sonic because I pay tithes. I'm sorry, I got a Sonic thing. You know what I'm saying? Oh, but this is so real. Amen. Look at them up there getting their healing, jumping around. 
Colby. Colby up there tell him, do something you ain't never done. Huh? <laughs> tells me, do something I ain't never done. It don't work for me. Here, phew, snake bit. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What about all that stuff you prophesied? What about all that stuff you've spoken now? Poison just going into your body. He's an opportunist. Here you are standing there in the rain, soaking wet. Amen. With a snake hanging off your hand. Somebody tell your neighbor he's an opportunist. You'll never go through a storm where this, your enemy will not fasten himself to your hand. Notice what he bit? His hand. He's going to stop you from doing what you've been doing. Huh? What'd Paul do? Come on, y'all. Let's shake. Come on. Some of y'all are so rigid. You are so proud. You need to shake some pride off of you a little bit. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Nailed him. Nailed him. Huh? What's people going to think? What would have Paul said if, oh, God, what's people going to think? Woo, that'll preach right there. You like Naaman. Naaman, I'll get the leprosy off of you, but you got to go dip in that nasty river. You're going to have to humble your... That is part number three. Let me move away from that. Go to the ball game, scream, shout. Did y'all see that ball game yesterday? Did y'all see Clemson playing Virginia? Huh? West Virginia literally had little tigers. Grown men with little stuffed animals. And they was twisting its neck. I said, you got to be kidding me. Yeah, because they were playing the Tigers, Clemson Tigers. You follow me? They was punching that. I got, I had to turn it. It's grown men. Some of y'all laughing and y'all paint your faces, put a big LSU around your belly button. Are y'all listening to me? Uh, some of you grown men get more excited about a deer on your camera. Oh, that wasn't for you, Jimbo. You <laughs> He's been showing me them little nubbin bucks on his camera. But anyway, some of us, God, God I'm going, I got to work it while I'm here. You get more excited, amen, over, over this stuff. But when it comes in here, we can't shake. Huh? Amen. Somebody say, you're going to have to shake some stuff off. And the reason you got to shake it is because it don't fall off on its own. And you got to get pride and pull out the catayadabot. Oh, is anybody listening to me? Somebody just needs a good old-fashioned shaking. Somebody shout, shake it off. My God, it's an opportunist. And he's just putting lies in your head. He's just trying to discourage you. He's trying to cause you to waver and separate you from what you were believing for. Shake it off. And here's what's cool. That all them barbarians standing there watching. And one of them said, yep, he's a murderer. And God's not going to allow him to live. He escaped that sea, but watch this. Bible said he should have swollen. <laughs> Amen. Some of y'all just all puffed up. Come church mad. God didn't do what I thought he's going to do. All swole up. <laughs> you with me, Simone? <laughs> said he didn't know he was swelling. So they said, well, just hang around. He ain't going to make it out of it. Oh, my God. Just hang around. He's going to fall down dead. Just hang around. 
Because we know that snake and nobody lives and they die immediately. So you just hang around. Let me tell you what. Somebody ought to tell the devil, you're going to be hanging around a long time before I fall out. You're going to be hanging around a long time before I build out this relationship. You're going to be hanging around a long time before I lose my faith. And the Bible says when they didn't swell or fall out, they changed their mind. What if God's trying to use you to change somebody else's mindset that there is a way, there is a hope. Somebody in this building right now, you're waiting for everything to get perfect, be perfectly healed, finances perfect, amen, before you'll move out and do anything for God. You need to learn how to operate in the neighborhood you're in and then God will move you out of that neighborhood. Immaturity is when God has to change your neighborhood to keep you happy. Hey, God, this is too much for a Sunday morning. But when you say, devil, this is my neighborhood and I'm going to anchor my soul to another world. And you get outside and start planting flowers around your desert. People in the neighborhood say, my God. People that's going through what you're going through will say, my God. Are you following me? People that's trying to come out of what you come out of say, my God. That's a hope that I have not seen. Can I say this? There's some people can't be helped out of neighborhoods unless you live in that neighborhood. Someone from the outside can't go into that neighborhood and present the hope you can when you live in that neighborhood. And you show them, I can function in a dysfunctional marriage. I can worship when my kids still strung out. Some of y'all are standing to worship, but I have to sit down to worship because of pain. But I can worship him right here sitting. I can worship right here sitting because I may not understand while the fire hadn't been quenched, but I know. I got to close with this scripture. This is the scripture. I'm skipping so much. Give me Proverbs 14, 32. This is the scripture God spoke to me after Sunday morning and said, take it to this level. The wicked is driven away in his wickedness, but the righteous have hope in his death. This is a hope that even drawing my last dying breath, I die in expectation that I'm about to be delivered out of this situation into the very presence of God. And if you understand this, it can't disappoint you no more. Did y'all catch it? The wicked man, death comes and drags him kicking and screaming, drives him kicking and screaming to the abyss of hopelessness. But when a righteous man dies, death comes suited in a tuxedo as an usher saying, I'm going to usher you into the presence of a loving father. That's the difference. Now all of a sudden that old funeral scripture makes sense. When Corruption puts on incorruption. And mortality puts on immortality. Then it will be declared that death is swallowed up in victory. 
Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? So you see, we have a hope that will not only carry us through the storms, but when it comes time to die, we hate that word in Christian. But all of you are going to die. Hear me? Every one of y'all. If Jesus don't come, you're going to die. But I got good news for the righteous man. I understand when I go, my family is going to cry. I saw that. Well, if not, could y'all pay some mourners to come in? Josh's going to be rolling me over that cash to see if that wheel's in my back pocket. I know it's here somewhere. Surely he left something. <laughs> I'm serious. Even in death, we shouldn't fear death. Why? Because I have a hope. Paul said, I done seen the other side, and I'd really rather go on, but it's more good for you for me to stay around for a while. Are y'all hearing me this morning? All my children hearing me this morning, we have a hope that never disappoints when we have the right hope and put it in the right perspective. Last statement I got in prayer over this sermon. If what you call hope disappointed you, it was because your hope was anchored to your will, not God's. Now, I've been wrestling with this because I don't preach on this level. And I don't operate on this level. I believe in fighting the fight of faith until the last breath's drawn. But when you have that mentality, it leaves you standing by the grave saying, lost it. Lost that battle. I don't think that way no more. I don't think that way no more. That even in death, they die in excited, anticipated expectation that I'm being transported to another world. Are you following me? To another place. So, death come whenever you may. I don't think we should speed the process up. I don't think we should want to take that route. But you and I have a hope that enables us to live in any neighborhood, any neighborhood, and it not disappoint you or cause you to be embarrassed. Stand with me all over this place. Josh made a statement in opening the service that sometimes the preaching of the gospel will do one of two things. If it's the true gospel, it'll challenge you or condemn you. Because you'll sit there and say, my reality don't match the theology he's teaching. But theology is true doctrine, and doctrine always raises the bar, and it's trying to get you to come up to it because you got to start thinking on that level before you come out. In other words, you'll always come out in your mind before you come out physical. You stay defeated up here, and you'll never come out of that neighborhood. That's Romans 12. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So doctrine changes the way you think and it raises the bar and it enables you to start pushing towards that, not being condemned over it.
If, you're, if you don't know this, the devil will start condemning you. Well, you've been, you, you think it, you believe it, but you still got the pain or whatever. You keep, you stay anchored. You stay anchored. Matter of fact, the Bible says Abraham died with his eyes on the promise. Even on his deathbed, he left with a total expectation to see the fruition of what God has. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.